welcome to the Superb Owl Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Jono Peck, a author, a podcaster, and honestly, one of the inspirations for this whole adventure I've been going on. Jono and I get to sit down and chat about the process of him writing his book, uh, just his creative process in general, and dealing with putting so much of who you are into something that's so widely distributed. I really enjoyed this one specifically because it was an opportunity for me to talk to someone I admire greatly and respect a lot and just to hear him you know, kind of open up and, and share um, a pretty a, a pretty broad spectrum of emotions and, and thoughts regarding you know, the process of writing a book. I just really enjoyed this episode. I think that you will too. Uh, thank you for joining me. Jono, thank you for joining me this week on the Superb Owl podcast, the show, whatever I'm going to call it this week in my intro that I record while editing this. Uh, I, I have yet to nail down what I actually want to call this while I'm talking during the show. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> bear with me there. But thank you for joining me. This is uh, this has been a long process to kind of get you on here. But I gotta say, I'm super honored to have you here. You're really kind of one of the like founding inspirations for this whole thing. So yeah. It's it's awesome. Thanks, Alex. Um, when you say it's been a long process, what oh, do you mean? <laughs> We've only been talking for a few days. No, we? <laughs> no, just like uh, we uh, like we corresponded way back when I first started this thing up, oh, yeah. and then uh, just like the the summer was super busy for every human on earth, it seems, which is okay as it mm. should be. And so it was just it's a, it's been a process to like in my own head also to remind myself to reach out to you again. Um, <laughs> But I, I, like I said, I, I am so honored to have you on this. Uh, you do great work. And so I'd, I'd love to first have you just kind of introduce yourself uh, and kind of give a spiel about, you know, what do you do? Who are you? And uh, we can kind of roll from there. Hmm. Sure. Well, uh, first of all, thank you again for having me on here. I love to talk about the things I do because I'm usually in your position interviewing other people <laughs> on my on my interview podcast putting in work which is on the 8-bit collective which is a it's a group of podcasters over here in Australia about 20 of us trying to do this crazy thing together and that's been running my podcast has been running for 86 episodes now so weekly uh, different guests every week and much like this show talking to people creative people usually about the work they do and kind of the, the hard work that it's taken to get where they are and that's been really exciting mostly uh, probably mostly games industry it's probably half games industry and half everything else so you're talking about comedians and writers and authors and musicians and that kind of thing so uh that's yeah it takes up a lot of my time when i'm not doing that i'm uh, also working on my second novel uh the first one came out last year the spy and the maven and that's uh, taking a lot longer now that I have a podcast to attend to every week and all the other stuff that I'm doing with 8-bit like video game reviews and occasional appearances on The Hungry Gamers which is a really big games podcast out here so yeah I keep pretty busy when I'm not doing my real job. <laughs> man you you are a man of many talents writer podcaster games reviewer uh, and uh, 
and a, a former journalist, right? And was it sports journalism That's or right. was it just general? Uh, I dabbled in some sport. Like it was mostly just general news, but in regional Victoria where I live, that means you have to be able to adapt to whatever's needed that day at the newspaper. So there were times where, yeah, I did a bit of sports reporting, did court reporting, uh, you know, entertainment news, police rounds, schools, everything basically yeah awesome and so i think my first question to open this whole thing is to simply ask what drove you to start kind of your artistic like i I would say first of all uh, to start writing and to start writing a book and then from there what put you on the path to creating a podcast and talking to people Hmm. kind of twofold yeah so do you mean like what got me into writing yeah what like into the books yeah so like what got you into writing and then from there do you what got you into the the podcasting because it seems like you're into two very uh opposite not opposite but two very distinct um art forms Mm -hmm. that i think overlap a lot more than people think yeah so writing was always something that i felt like I understood, like I felt like I was good at it in high school and everything. And it became a question of, okay, well, writing and English and literature comes fairly easy to me. What's a career that I could make out of that talent? So my father was a journalist and that was what I grew up around. And it just seemed like a really obvious profession to go into. I wasn't particularly drawn to news. Like I wasn't a news hound in the sense that a lot of journalists are and that's probably why I didn't stick with it forever uh, it was seven years of, of journalism before I moved into uh, what I'm doing now which is more of a marketing and storytelling type of um, type of work with a health service a hospital that I work at but that was the introduction I guess to professional writing and the the more creative side of it kind of is tied into the podcasting so I'll, I'll explain when i was at the previous newspaper i worked at uh, I, I used to sit at a desk near two of my friends who worked there and we would always just be talking crap about pop culture and uh, movies and tv and comics and everything and one night we were actually out and we said well when are we gonna like start a podcast because the banter that we have going i feel like we could turn it into something and for some reason our editor allowed us to do that at work and we did uh, about 80 episodes of this podcast called super terrific happy hour and yeah it was just a different topic every week that we would talk about and it would be you know what were the um most overrated movie franchises or uh movies that creeped us out when we were kids or uh, a movie that should be remade or shouldn't be remade like just you know those kinds of general kinds of pop culture topics uh, when should the simpsons have ended you know that kind of thing years ago and yeah exactly <laughs> and yeah so that was kind of my introduction to podcasting and one of the topics that we did was actually how to pitch a movie and i came up with this random uh movie generator title and i made a pitch based on that title and it was like a a whole year later or longer where I was thinking about that pitch again and I was like I could turn this into a book 
And that's how I wrote my book because I was at that point, I was working in a political office and that move from journalism into that political office had kind of sucked the, all the creativity out of my daily workload. And I wasn't editing a podcast. I wasn't writing news headlines and, uh, interviewing musicians and that kind of thing. So I felt like a bit of a void and yeah, I decided I could write a book and I could crowdfund it and hopefully sell enough copies to get it published. And that's what ended up happening. And it was only after I kind of finished that book and I was working on the very long editing and rewriting process that an opportunity came up uh, at RTX Sydney to interview two of the guys from Kind of Funny. And because I wasn't working for a website or you know, a newspaper or a magazine, I thought the only way that I can use these interviews is if I record them and, and turn it into a podcast. And I thought maybe I'll get 10 or 20 episodes out of the contacts that I know and the cool people that I already can think of to interview. And here we are, it's episode 86 and I've got a whole list of people I still want to get to. So who knows, it could go for quite some time. <laughs> okay, first of all, that was really, I, that that is... That is such a cool story, like um, series of events that kind of like led to this. It's it, it's fascinating because so you said you did journalism for seven years and then you transferred into the political realm and then mm. now you're working in marketing and uh, PR at a hospital. So seven years ago, like creating a podcast and let's say I would say like maybe five, maybe four years ago, even like when you were as, when you were a journo working you know i don't think podcasting is as big as it is today to to kind of have that forethought and just to be like hey let's have that conversation i think that's really cool um mm. one of the things i wanted to ask is specifically you said that you transferred out of you know doing um you know writing and journalism and you went into a political office and you said that it sapped your creativity you weren't using it at work anymore and so you started writing and with that how fast was that switch because and what i'm trying to get at is when you hit that that point where you started to realize you know i'm not being creative what was there something that clicked within your mind that said you know i gotta do something to get this energy out and did that in a way and affect how you felt you know at work at like that job where maybe it do you feel like as you started to you know express your creative creative side that it kind of helped you you know continue to do good work because i know for myself when i feel like creatively like drained from work like i can't do anything creative i feel trapped in a box it actually makes it harder for me to do my day job because i just have nowhere to like to go my energy is so like pent up i don't know what to do and it like it makes it hard for me to work sure yeah i mean for me it was a very clear void it was something that i had never felt in my probably adult life because i'd always had something like when i was in high school i had a band and then when i was in university uh, i was playing music and i was in another band and then uh I, yeah so i was mucking around with music for a while and then uh was the podcasting and and you know, the, uh, even as just as a journalist, when I wasn't podcasting, there's still a lot of creativity involved. So it was really 
stopping all of those things that I'd always done for many years that just immediately I was like, hmm, this is, this is different. I, I have nothing to like promote <laughs> on social media. Like it's like I have, when I get home from work, I have nothing to do apart from hobbies because we all have our hobbies and we all like we love playing video games and watching sports and that kind of thing. But I just had always kind of had something to be like thinking about in the back of my brain. And when I was in this political job, uh, a lot of it was like there was, I was still writing, but there was a lot of administration and there was a lot of just very dry content because it's, you know, the nature of politics. And I just, yeah, I felt like I needed to create something. And that was where I guess having a lot of spare time, I just thought, what am I going to do? And then I, I just remembered that idea and, and that was kind of got me thinking about, you know, everyone kind of has these things they've always wanted to do. And uh, for me, it wasn't exactly to write a book, but it was more to tell a story. And initially, uh, because of the nature of that pitch in the podcast, it was a movie idea. And ideally, you know, I would have written a movie script and I would have got that turned into a film. But I don't know anyone in the movie industry. I don't know anyone in the independent film scene that could turn my script into a film. But I know that if I write a book, I can do that entirely by myself, maybe with the help of an editor here or there or some friends that, that have a good eye for that kind of thing. So it just seemed a lot more attainable. And that's how that happened. It seems incredibly organic. I And I think that that's, that's something that you... you I think people overlook is just the organic nature of how creativity works. I think in the absence of having a creative outlet, I think a lot of people don't yeah. realize how important that is. Um, something I wanted to ask you and to with your book, you said that you, you crowdfunded it when you initially mm. decided to go out and say, Hey, I'm writing a book. What was that initial conversation like within your own head, like to say, I'm going to put this out. I'm going to take this writing that I've done this. Um, Cause I, I remember looking at your, uh, your crowdfunding site and I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I think that you had like an ex excerpt on there to like, you know, obviously show like the writing style. Um, but what was it like to go, uh, go ahead and put something out there that was, you know, uh, when you're working as a journal, you're you're obviously you're retelling a story that you've heard. Or you know, mm. at a, at, as a podcast, it's so much more freeform. It's so much more you know lax. But within a a book, a story, you're telling something that is so deeply personal. You're putting a piece of your soul out there. How did that feel like to expose yeah. that <laughs> to the world to say, okay, not only like what do you think? can you help me make it like how terrifying was yeah. that situation? It's a good question because it's something that I think gets overlooked a lot from people who, who aren't putting their creative work out there. And I even know a lot of people who are, have done creative things, but they have just kind of sat on them. They haven't promoted them or they've only promoted them on Twitter or something where they have like a network of people in that industry or that, you know, that with that interest, like the games industry or whatever. And then on Facebook where they have all their friends and their school friends and their family, like they don't even reference it at all because it's like a different side of them. And to kind of 
expose yourself like that it was kind of a little nerve-wracking uh and to to be asking for people to put their faith in supporting something they hadn't seen or that wasn't even finished yet that's uh another level of vulnerability where you have to kind of swallow any pride and say hey there's this thing that i want to do i have this dream for lack of you know better term uh to embrace the the cliche but i have this dream that i can't achieve without your help and without the help of uh my community of of you know peers and friends and family and even strangers who just were in the same like in the kind of funny community people like yourself at the time who I'm I've become friends with now but at the time they were just a name on a page not someone that I had any attachment to their personality so to um yeah I guess to reveal that to them was was a big thing and it, it paid paid off for me but in terms of allowing people to see what had been happening inside my head for the past five months or whatever it was I think that being a musician and playing gigs and uh being a journalist and putting putting my name on bylines for many years had kind of softened that vulnerability to some extent even though it is a very more it's a much more personal thing to be revealing something creative uh you can kind of push that aside and say oh, i've done this before it's it's like you can convince yourself that it's something that's not completely crazy because it really is um and yeah I, I guess it's it's just a tipping point where you decide that you're going to do it and then you just go all in and try not to think about how mental it really is i think that the the idea that you said like you can just push it aside i i i agree with that because i too i i did music for a long time and i, I still love music and listen to it like i said i was i was getting hyped for this before we uh we had our call and so <laughs> i think that that's a a fascinating thing in itself to say that you were able to just you know you know push it aside the question is did you come back and deal with it at any time at any point like maybe after the whole thing had gotten like you know quote unquote greenlit right did you come back and did you deal yeah. with that did you reconcile that tension yeah i mean there's different levels and there's different points that you hit and one of those points was okay i now have 280 pre-orders for this book 280 copies that are going to be sent out to people uh who have supported it i hope they read the book and i hope they like the book and you have to kind of accept to a point that some people well first of all some people aren't even going to read it they just bought it to be nice and to support me which is fine like i have no problem with that because that's almost more sacrificial than than buying it just to because they want to read the story they <laughs> they just wanted to help me out which is great but uh for people who who a lot of people were reading this book who don't even read they just thought it was cool that someone they knew was going to read the book and probably most of those people have said that they enjoyed it which is great but i know that it's not for everyone and there, there were a few criticisms which is normal but when it's uh yeah when it's something that you've created yourself 
it feels weird to uh, open yourself up to feedback, critical or not. Like, it's it is very vulnerable, and I don't know. I, I think I just had a a very open mind about it. I, I never freaked out. I'm not that kind of person, really. I've kind of pretty relaxed about about most of these things, and I just had faith that what I'd written was something that I would want to read, and hoped that the people that uh, were buying the book understood that you know this is it's very Jono. I think like that's something that even if it wasn't for them, they would understand. Like, oh yeah, this is this is very clearly from the mind of Jono, and it's uh, if even if it's not for them, it's something that is for someone. Uh, I I like that, and I I, I kind of want to, and, and hopefully you'll forgive me for this. I I do want to dig deeper in one aspect so you said that you didn't like really yeah. react um my question is yeah and you say that you know you're you're a pretty relaxed person which believe me i very much get that vibe I, we've only interacted a few times <laughs> but you're you're you always come across as one of the most chillest level-headed people that i've interacted with and over the internet that's that's an impressive you should wear that it's a badge i'm chill and don't <laughs> overreact um my question though is simply did you initially when you got that how did you reconcile the idea that someone i i let me let me pivot and rephrase that when you initially got like criticism and feedback i think one of the things that's the hardest for any human any person to do who has a semblance of an emotional um intelligence right um how did you deal with that criticism in that did you get defensive like and not towards that person but within your own mind did you go no no i wrote a damn good story and like (laughs) or was it as easy as you say it was or did you have to kind of go through a process to be like you know i understand that people aren't going to get this but I can't imagine anyone that mm. I know and even myself included as an artist to say that if someone's going to come back and say, no, man, that was hot garbage for me to not even get a little bit defensive in my mind. And how did you quell that? Because I feel like in you know today's society, being defensive and, and hyper aggressive towards like criticism is like, you know, peak 2018. Um, so how did you mm. combat that and just be able to, you know, kind of take peace with it make peace with it that's what i meant to say yeah yeah sure (laughs) well there's kind of two things on that alex and the first one is thankfully no one said that it was garbage (laughs) because if they did i don't know how how i would have reacted so i can't (laughs) respond directly to that specific feedback but i guess in general like yeah you do like let's okay for example i think like the, there was someone in my family who was very supportive and, and awesome and amazing with the book and i think they enjoyed it and, but the feedback that i heard was they think that my next book will be a lot better because uh this was my first effort and they i think they thought that i had too many uh, uh similes or m- metaphors i can't remember which one specifically but you yeah. know what i mean like too many too many little gags and little jokes in there uh that maybe they thought that it was a bit heavy-handed. I don't know exactly because I haven't had the conversation with them directly, but that's just a small 
um, example of some feedback that you get. And it's like, yeah, like I, my, my first reaction is to say, I can understand why you think that. And ultimately that was what I wanted to do. Like that was what at the moment I thought would be good for the book. So I think it comes down to you being content with the choices that you've made creatively and feeling like it was the best thing to serve the story or the experience of reading it. So if you're unsure about what you've done and you're not certain that it's that you if, that you like it yourself and then other people criticize it as you are probably aware from things you've done in the past whether it was a assignment at school or a painting in art class or a song that you'd written if you aren't a hundred percent convinced about it and someone criticizes it you're going to be like oh, yeah yeah it's crap it's terrible and throw it out the window and never speak of it again because it's just kind of confirming your fears but if you are like positive that it's a banger that it's a surefire you know it's it's achieved what you wanted to and someone criticizes it i think you're a lot more likely to just say everyone's entitled to their opinion i'm happy with it and i know a lot of other people are gonna like it and that was probably more the direction that i went with oh that yeah totally and i wasn't trying to insinuate that yeah. you know someone said i just <laughs> uh, yeah, um <laughs> i and but the sorry the second part of that is uh worth noting as well i think when you do get criticized for something creative i think that you have to come back to and this was also probably one of the reasons that i wasn't as nervous about revealing it as some people might be but ultimately what i was doing even despite the response that i was going to get was already to me a remarkable achievement and to what other people were saying was a remarkable achievement. They're like, man, I can't believe you're publishing a book. And I, that was for me, even if everybody hated it, I still put in a hell of a lot of work and it was the, I knew that it was the best that I could do. And to get like a delivery to my door and it's hundreds of copies of a book that I wrote and I put my blood, sweat and tears into that was so worthwhile to me intrinsically and it was something that nobody can take away from you and if you've written a song or a poem or you've drawn a picture that you're happy with and you know that it's the best you could do even if no one else sees it or likes it I think that it's something that you're ultimately going to be just really satisfied and content with and it's gonna it's gonna make you feel good and if I'm revealing that to someone else and concerned about what their reaction is going to be, I think that that concern is going to be outweighed by the sense of fulfillment and achievement that you get. And most people don't even reach that level. So, you know, to publish a book in and of itself, I think anyone that's going to criticize it, like let's say 90% of people that say oh, this is bad or I didn't think it was that great. I'm guessing they haven't published a book because it's not very common to do. I know a couple authors, but you know, most people, they probably will never publish a book uh, and they'll never record an album and they'll never uh, paint a, you know, a landscape or whatever it is that you might have as your personal creative endeavors. So 
I think just by the act of doing it and being happy with it, you're already winning in a lot of ways. Okay, so that's some great advice. Just that in itself is so something that you touched on a lot, a, a word specifically is contentment. And I kind of want to use that to lead mm. into, you know, kind of quote unquote phase two, um, which is talking about how you went from writing this book, going into the editing process, the rewriting process that goes on after you complete a story, which is, which I've heard is like even harder in some ways than writing the story. Right. Um, but specifically yeah. as you started to understand the contentment and feeling that when you went to start, you know, you did the interviews at RTX Sydney for, with, uh, I believe it was Greg and Tim that you interviewed there mm -hmm. um, yeah. to start putting in work. Did that contentment that you felt from writing, from, from writing your book, getting it to the point where you could, you could start publishing, you could go through the publishing process of your know, rewrites and edits and all that stuff. Did that contentment flow through into how you felt going into those interviews? Cause right. It's one thing to interview, you know, and, and, and this is my, my assumption and how I think it would go because I haven't had the opportunity to interview like an actual, you know, someone I truly idealize or respect at a great level. Um, I'm, I'm currently trying to reach out to someone for that right now and I'm, I'm nervous to do that. But um, <laughs> to sit down with Greg and Tim and, and Greg and Tim and, and Nick and Kevin and Colin and all those people from Kind of Funny are a huge influence in my life as well um, to be entirely candid. So when you took that contentment and you, from your book, or I would ask it, did you, um, when you went and you interviewed them, did, do you feel like that kind of flowed over into that to say like, you know, yeah, I wrote a book. I can do this too. I can sit down and interview someone that not only do I have great reverence for that I respect and, you know, I, I kind of follow on a pretty consistent basis, right? I, I think that, I, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to yeah, get Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I, I wouldn't have drawn like a direct link between like writing my book and then feeling like that would change the way I approach an interview. I think that it actually has helped probably form some of the, lines of questioning that I have because I feel like I've experienced the creative process to a degree that I hadn't before. So for example, I was just talking to an indie, uh, indie game developer and I was talking to them about, well, how do you know when it's time to stop supporting the game that's out there at the moment to stop marketing it, to stop putting your main focus on that and to start working on your next game? And the reason that, like, you know, some people might organically come to that question themselves, but the reason that it popped into my head was because I had the experience of that myself and I was promoting my first book and I was putting a lot of effort into that. But I had to reach a point where I was like, okay, when am I going to, because we only have a certain amount of energy. I had to reach a point where I was like, I'm going to start focusing on the next one. So, I mean, it, it has helped that creative process, but in terms of, you're asking about the contentment. I think that it was probably more just my experience as a journalist that informed the way that I approach the podcast. I think being that I'm not a journalist anymore in the 
professional sense that putting in work is my outlet to tell stories and to uh, interview people and to find the answers to the questions that my audience and, and myself have with those people. Yeah, I, I guess to expand on contentment is to say, because I think that that's a that's a great point. And yeah, I, I wasn't more so saying that like, you know, did, you know, your writing help um, ask better questions more so that going from one artistic thing to shift to something in kind of a, a different, you know, silo uh, to just being content mm. with the work that you did kind of carry over, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that uh, when you have, it's like it's a similar feeling to like to, to wrap up an interview with someone that you admire and feel like you know you didn't drop the ball. Like that's <laughs> it's a it is a similar. It's a more instant gratification than writing a book because writing a book takes like at least a year, <laughs> and in, including like the editing and the whole publishing process like that's a very long process so to be able to do a podcast and just get it out there and see people react to it every week you're it's it's a very satisfying thing it's a similar feeling of contentment but it's more snack sized more bite-sized fun size size. i like that fun size contentment i think that that's something um yeah (laughs) I think that that's something hopefully people can can kind of glean from from this conversation is how important contentment is in the artistic process because I think that hopefully that kind of contentment in something that's so personal can hopefully um, spill into other parts right there's there's an old yeah. uh, I don't know if it's Christian um, because I grew up in kind of a mixed faith uh but predominantly Christian um, family, but it's like my cup runneth over, right, with with love. So hopefully the love expands into other aspects than just this one area. And so um, specifically, I, I think that that's a that's a good message is to talk is to, I guess, really relish in the contentment of the work that you've done um, to kind of mm. close this out, because I think that we're getting to a good point to like kind of land the plane. Uh, I wanted to ask, is there any piece of advice that you would give someone who's going into journalism or wanting to start a podcast or wanting to write a book that you feel that hasn't been said or maybe needs to be repeated in a different way that you would give someone or yourself at a younger position um, that you feel like you Mm. didn't get, if that makes sense? Yeah, uh, I think... I mean, there's many, many cliches that I could spout off, like just do it and make it happen and finish what you start. Like they're all great. The reason that they're cliche is because they're 100% true. But the thing that I would probably say to add to that is know what you're doing before you start doing it because often people will get halfway through something and realize they either don't like it or they don't know where th- where it's going so it ends half finished and that happens in a lot of things like people will do five episodes of a podcast and then realize it's not going the way they wanted it to or they'll write 50 pages of a book and then finish or they will you know whatever it is like 
if you know what it is and where it's going when you start it's a lot easier to reach the end because you have something to aim for and the first my like my first attempt to write a book was when i was 21 and i was just out of university and i was like hey i'm gonna write a book about my college experience or whatever like my last year at uni and all the crazy friends and stories that i have and i just started writing it and i wrote like a hundred thousand words which is 30,000 words longer than my novel but there was no ending and there never was an ending because I never planned one out I was just gonna see what happened and I mean that might work for some people I think Stephen King has written that way but or talked about writing that way and for me it's just not a realistic way to approach something and I think if uh like if you don't know where you're going it's just really hard to to know that where what you've done so far is leading you there that it, you, that you're on the right track so if it's a book then you need to you know like script out a synopsis that you're going to stick to you can change it if you think of something better but you have to have somewhere to go and if you are doing a podcast then you have to think hard about like the idea for it like what's the the format and that doesn't mean you can't change it if you think of something better but yeah i think too many people just abandon projects because they haven't thought hard at the start about what it's going to be and where it's going to lead them does that make sense yeah it, it i think that that is tremendous advice and i and i hope that the people that are listening really take that to heart because i i think that Honestly, that that simply is, is, is what I, I tried to do here is really kind of nail a mission statement before I started because my last uh, endeavor didn't have one. And I think that that made it hard yeah. uh, after you got off the ground for it, it was like it, you weren't flying. You were you were falling with style to use an old quote from Toy Story. Yeah. <laughs> You need to enjoy it too. Like it's if it's something that you think is going to be fun and it turns out it's not fun, then it's not good. Like it's not a good idea. <laughs> and if you're writing a movie or you're writing a book or something and you get halfway through and you're not enjoying it and you don't like it, then you need to write something different because if you're if like if, if it's not something that you want to read, then no one else is going to want to read it either. Like you have to be your own biggest fan, as lame as that sounds. Like basically write something that you think you would want to read or or film something that you would want to watch and you just have to assume that other people will have similar tastes i think that is incredibly sound advice and i hope that people take it so a few closing things here um jonna where can people find you uh and then to close it all out what's your favorite animal okay well, people can find me on all social medias at Jono himself. Uh, you can find my podcast, Putting In Work. It's on iTunes, Google, uh, Spotify, everywhere else. And uh, hit me up over there. I'd love to, to hear your feedback to any particular episodes that resonate with you. That's always fun to hear. Uh, my favorite animal is, gee, that's tough because, I mean, animals are so great. But, I mean, let's let's go with the classic I'm going with the dog. 
for all the amazing videos and internet videos of animals doing crazy stuff, I'll still just come back to dogs. Dogs They're are the best. the best. I do. I, I, I love dogs. I can't wait to get another dog when when we get a house. Yeah. When we get a house. <laughs> well, Jono, thank you so yes. you much <laughs> for joining me today, tonight, tomorrow for you. Uh, it's been a blast. It's been, uh, this is, uh, this is just amazing. Thank you so much. That's all right, man. And I think like it's been, I don't know, about 40 minutes, but we're kind of only scratching the surface in a lot of ways. I've got a lot more to talk about if you, uh, if you ever want me back. So just hit me up. I'd, I'd love to come uh, see, back. That's, that's just, that's tantalizing. I can't wait. We're, we'll definitely have you back. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week. The Superb Owl Podcast posts every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific time on all major podcast networks. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in.